so the big question as we enter into it is, what is the role of Old Testament law for Christians? Welcome to Christ and Culture, the podcast of the L. Russ Bush Center for Faith and Culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Here we'll explore how the Christian faith intersects all avenues of today's culture through conversations with leading thinkers. Welcome to the conversation. Hey everyone, I'm Nathaniel Williams, the editor and content manager here at the Center for Faith and Culture. A new season of Christ and Culture starts this fall, but to tide you over until then, we wanted to give you a few bonus episodes this summer. And in today's bonus episode of Christ and Culture, Dr. Benjamin Quinn talks with Dr. Carmen Imes of Biola University about, of all things, tattoos. You'll enjoy this conversation. But before we jump into that Christ and Culture conversation today, one quick reminder, if you enjoy the podcast, do us a huge favor. Go rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. That goes a long, long way in helping us spread the word about the Christ and Culture podcast. And now, without further ado, here's today's Christ and Culture conversation with Dr. Carmen Imes. Should Christians get tattoos? I remember this question uh, as a kid. I remember about 18 years old. One of my best friends calls me in a panic because he was on his way to get a tattoo and someone reminded him of an Old Testament verse about maybe you shouldn't do that. And so he has all these great questions. And this is this has plagued a lot of the last generation or so. Maybe your answer is yes. Maybe it's no. Maybe you're undecided. To help us think about this question, we are so glad to have back a good friend of Southeastern, Dr. Carmen Imes. Dr. Imes is Associate Professor of Old Testament at Biola University, also uh, the author of multiple books, including Bearing God's Name, Why Sinai Still Matters, and Being God's Image, Why Creation Still Matters. And she also has a popular YouTube series called Torah Tuesday. Be sure to check that out. Dr. Imes, thank you for joining us again today. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It's good to see you again. So you published a series on your blog discussing this question about Christians and tattoos. So I did. Um, just offer a, you don't offer a necessarily a quick, simple answer, but you, you more or less just kind of model how to think through the question. Can you just walk mm-hmm. us through how to think through this? Sure. So for some Christians, it seems like the answer should be obvious because Leviticus 19.28 prohibits tattoos. It says, do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am Yahweh. And so that has been the final word on the question for a lot of Christians for many generations. Um, I grew up in a context where I don't know if I knew anyone who had a tattoo, maybe somebody who had come to Christ later in life and had a tattoo from their unsaved days. But I've noticed that there's a trend towards a lot more Christians getting tattoos. So students ask me this question, and it's a question I've thought about. And so uh, what I try to do in the blog series is model a way of thinking through Christians' relationship to the Old Testament law, Mm -hmm. and then thinking through the purpose of each law, and then considering our current context and how that purpose can be expressed in our current context. Okay, so we'll walk through those kind of a piece at a time, but I I got to ask you as we get started, Dr. Imes, how many tattoos do you have? I have one tattoo, which is why I, which is why I wrote the series because I, as you said, I have a YouTube channel in which people can see me waving my arms around while I talk. And I knew that people would wonder why is the Torah lady 
<laughs> yeah. sporting a tattoo when the Torah says not to get a tattoo. So I, to be clear, th- this was not an apologetic to get me to be able to get a tattoo. It's not that yeah. I wanted a tattoo so bad that I went to the Bible to try to find justification. Yeah. But yeah. It, it was actually my study of the Bible that convinced me that this particular tattoo would be really meaningful and yeah. that it was something that I wanted. And so, um, and because biblical law is the focus of my doctoral work and some of my work now, I, I felt like this might be a conversation that's more useful to a wider group of people. So let's jump into this. And can we can we do this a bit playfully? Let's imagine sure. this was my friend named Chris who called me. We were about 18. He really was completely vexed about this. And I think yeah. that he decided not to get the tattoo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he also, to be honest, at the time, I, I wasn't uh, equipped to think through this carefully. It was just mm-hmm. Leviticus says this. It seems pretty straightforward. Maybe we shouldn't do it. But yeah, Leviticus yeah. says a lot of things that it does that we don't that we don't tend to follow now. Mm-hmm. So how do we think through these kinds of things? Yeah, this has, of course, implications for lots of other things in Leviticus that some people latch onto and other people would like us all to forget about. Uh, so it's it is an important question beyond the the issue of tattoos. And I would I would say to someone who's in uh, the shoes of of your friend Chris, if you're having second thoughts, if you're not sure about it, then the right answer is to cancel your appointment. Yeah, because yeah. you can always go get a tattoo later, but you can't go unget a tattoo later. I mean, there are ways of tattoo removal, but uh, much better to be cautious than to go into it with reservations. Uh, I don't want to be the tattoo lady, right? I I don't want to be the lady who, this is like my life work to talk about tattoos. But I did did think it would be maybe helpful for your listeners to have this conversation because a lot of people are wondering about it. So, So the big question as we enter into it is, what is the role of Old Testament law for Christians? And for a lot of Christians, uh, they think, well, we don't have to pay attention to any of the Old Testament law. It's been set aside because of Christ. And so in my book, Bearing God's Name, Why Sinai Still Matters, I make the case that the law actually still matters for Christians, that it's not so easily set aside. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 17 to 20, Jesus says he has not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to bring it to its intended purpose. And he does that by living a Torah obedient life and, and in a sense models for us what that's supposed to look like. So I don't think we can just set it aside. On the other hand, there are those who would say, well, we should be doing all of it. All, all these laws we should we should be in compliance with. So some Christians eat a kosher diet, celebrate all the Jewish festivals. Um, they're very careful with, you know, even letting their their fruit trees, you know, not not pulling fruit off their trees every third year to give the yeah. tree a rest. So there are there are plenty of uh, Christians out there who would say, no, this the law is still valid, and so we still need to keep it. And so I I, I don't think that works either just a wholesale adoption of Old Testament law. I think the answer lies somewhere between those two extremes where we carefully read it and consider its purpose and then see how to live out that purpose in our context, because we're not in the same cultural context. Uh, It it doesn't work to just say kind of flat, bring, bring it across from then until now. Yeah. So how do you think about there's in the Calvinist tradition, for example, the sort of threefold 
approach to the law or interpretation of the law being there's civil yeah. laws, there's ceremonial laws, there's moral laws. And, and maybe we can kind of slice and dice that way. We don't follow the ceremonial side. The civil may or may not apply because we're not in a theocracy the way that they were at that time. But the yeah. moral stuff, especially things that tend to associate most closely with the Ten Commandments, maybe that's where it is. Is that kind of approach helpful? And, and even with, with tattoos, where would that fall? Yeah, so great question. I am not a big fan of those categories for for a couple of reasons. For many years, I've actually used them with my students because heuristically, practically, this right. it, it kind of works to help divide. But an ancient Israelite, they would be baffled by the even right. the question. They would say that there's no separation between ritual and moral and and civil. They're all my whole life is obedience to God. My whole life is an act of worship. So they wouldn't have had native to their thinking, these different categories. Um, But the the reason I'm more recently convinced that the categories are less helpful is that Richard Averbeck in his new book on Old Testament law for Christians talks about how the New Testament authors use the law in as a source of ethical reflection. And he points out that they draw freely from all three, what we would call categories Mm -hmm. in their ethical reflection, and they apply them in different ways. So for example, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading the grain is used to support the idea of paying your pastor Mm -hmm. uh, for his work or her work. So I think it's, uh, I think it's problematic to, to just say, okay, the, the, the ritual laws don't apply to us anymore. We don't have to think about them because ritual law tells us a lot about God's holiness and about his character and what it what it looks like to be the people of God. Even if we're not following all the ritual purity laws per se, they're yeah. still an important source of ethical reflection. So so I, I feel a little ambivalent, like it's kind of helpful to show what which things are enduring and which things aren't, but it's it can be misleading. Yeah. So let's go back to my friend, Chris. Let's just imagine you've at least talked him into, all right, let's stop and think about it. Maybe he's going to cancel his appointment, but maybe he turns it personal and says, but Dr. Himes, so you got a tattoo. Tell me, Mm -hmm. why did you decide that it was okay? Um, And and how did you decide what to do? Is this one of those things where it's okay as long as it's a Bible verse or it's a Greek or Hebrew word? Or or you maybe you ran a marathon or you did the Iron Man and you got the Iron Man tattoo. I mean, how do we get very practical about it yeah. and, and having kind of a clean conscience about these things? Yeah. So this is where I think it it would be quick and easy just to say, oh, I'm going to pick and choose the laws that I want to obey or which ones seem relevant to me. But I think we need to do the work of of examining the historical context and the literary context of the laws to find out what they're doing. So in the case of Leviticus 19.28, where it says not to cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves, we need to ask, why are people in ancient Israel tempted to disfigure their bodies? Yeah. What do what does a tattoo mean in the ancient Near East? And as I've looked into that, there there doesn't seem to be one definitive answer, but I've I've collected a few pieces of evidence that I think are helpful. One is this phrase for the dead, do not cut your bodies for the dead. That seems to me to be saying the cutting of the body is for some ritual purpose that has to do with someone who's died. So whether it's deep distress over their death or whether it's a trying an attempt to communicate with the dead is unclear. 
And that might then, because it's being paired with tattoos, that might have something to do with tattoos. Mm. We also know that tattoos were used in the ancient world to mark slaves. Mm. So if you were a slave, you could be marked on your on your hand or on your face with the tattoo of your owner. And this is particularly true in in context of, of ritual worship. So if you were dedicated to the service of a deity so that you you were a temple servant, then you would be marked by the symbol of that deity and so that you were permanently associated with the service of that deity. And so in that context, it's very easy for me to understand why God would say to his people, don't tattoo yourselves. Right. He doesn't right. want any of his people off serving other gods in other temples. And he doesn't want them to be permanently slaves of anyone else. There are laws that regulate uh, indentured servitude in ancient Israel, but indentured servitude is always meant to be temporary. Uh, After seven years, the, the servant goes free unless they decide they want to permanently be part of the household. And if they, if the servant themselves makes that choice, then they have their ear pierced with an awl to indicate. Uh, so they do undergo bodily disfigurement, but it's voluntary. It's not forced on them. So I think the the command not to put tattoo marks on themselves probably has to do with Yahweh's desire to have ownership of his people. He, mm-hmm. he has claim on them. He does not want them to declare their allegiance to anyone else or any other God or any other institution. So then we ask, so after I I established, okay, this is what it meant in that context. Then I asked, what does it mean to get a tattoo in our context? Yeah. Say, okay, yeah. if 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 I see someone with a tattoo, I don't think, oh, they're a temple servant or they're a slave to yeah. someone. Like we right. tattoos function differently in our culture. Therefore, I think God's word to us about that uh, is different. It's still true. And this is where maybe I would advise your friend as he's thinking about if Chris decides, okay, so if this is not about slavery, then it's okay for me to have a tattoo. Then I'd want to say, okay, next question is, what does your particular tattoo that you want to get communicate? Yeah. And, and is that, is that message going to conflict with your identity or your claim to belong to Jesus, your claim to follow Jesus? Does does this, will this send mixed messages? Will people be like, oh, I thought he was a Christian, but now he's got this pentagram on his arm. Right. That seems confusing. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. So think about whether your whether the tattoo actually is consistent with your testimony. I think yeah. that's, that's the next question. So in thinking about kind of the spirit of uh, maybe the uh, prohibition against tattoos from Leviticus, um, would that be close to something like, uh, you know, especially among adolescents at the moment, cutting is really quite popular and it's cutting mm-hmm. is in, in large part, as I understand, related to uh, emotional grief or just emotional numbness and trying to just feel yeah. something or trying to express. Is that, yeah. could that be close to maybe what's being warned against? And then another side of that, um, as it relates to any kind of um, significance of the dead, Someone thinking, well, I want to get a tattoo that, you know, RIP, a close friend or family member and have their Mm -hmm. their dates of death and birth. Are either of these the kinds of things that we might want to warn people about? Yeah. So I'll answer the second question first. I have a colleague here who just lost his son suddenly, his adult son, 
um, father of small children uh, suddenly, I think, was killed in a car accident. And he just got a tattoo on his forearm to commemorate his son's death. I don't think that that's a violation of this law either, because my suspicion is, although I'm not sure, sure about the cutting your bodies for the dead, it, it seems to me that it would have something to do with trying to establish communication between the living and the dead. Yeah. Not not a memory, not like keeping alive their memory, but somehow crossing the boundary that God set between kind life of and death. Type of thing, yeah, yeah, kind of a divination. And so that and and we see this with the showdown on Mount Carmel with uh, between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, right. and they're slashing their bodies to try to get Baal's attention and to try to get him to respond. And so I think that kind of a a cutting a desperate a desperation. Um, it is it is not what most people who are getting a tattoo are doing. They're not they're not harming themselves to try to get God's attention or to try to establish communication with the dead. They just are keeping that memory alive. And there's lots in the Old Testament about remembering your your father and your mother and your and the, the those who've gone on before. And that's a positive thing. We're not told to just put it out of your mind. Yeah. Um, as far as cutting that, you know, adolescents often engage in that feels like a separate question to me because it's related to mental health um as you said a kind of numbness where they're just not sure what they what they think or or whether they're alive anymore it's like a testing of that that seems like a a separate question it's clearly a problem but i don't i don't know if i would consider it a violation of this verse yeah that's helpful so back to Chris, he's saying, okay, Dr. Imes, I, I think I'm going to do it. My conscience is pretty clear and clean about this. Um, and I'm not going to put anything on my body that um, is inconsistent with my testimony. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just want to get the Superman symbol. Maybe he's just <laughs> my favorite superhero. Any any concerns about that? So so personally, I, I would be concerned. I, I mean, I, I don't want to give too many of my own opinions, but personally, I would be concerned about a superhero logo or a or or a business logo like a Nike symbol or like a sports team logo. Like that, this to me is starting to advertise for franchises <laughs> that I don't feel like our bodies were designed to be an advertisement for for yeah. someone else. Yeah. So I, I I'm okay with the fact that you're wearing a southeastern sweatshirt right now. But if you wanted to tattoo the southeastern logo on your arm, I'd be like, um, <laughs> that feels a little bit funny. Like it's uh, it's putting, it's giving too much weight to something that is not worthy of that, that of space on my skin, <laughs> right? Yeah, About that permanent, permanent testimony. So I, I think we should consider the weightiness of the message that we're trying to send. Is this something that when you're in a, uh, in a retirement home, sitting around with your friends playing bingo that you still want to have on your body? Is this something that um, when you stand before God, because our bodies, our bodies persist into the new creation. So when you're resurrected to life, do you want to stand before God with this tattoo? Uh, I think that's a question that's worth asking. And, And so you asked me about my tattoo, the, the tattoo that I got on my wrist is says belonging to Yahweh in Hebrew. And it's precisely what Isaiah 44 verse 5 says will happen, that that some will write on their hands belonging to Yahweh um, because they are so eager to participate in the covenant. And so my own work on the law was focused on the command not to take the Lord's name in vain, 
uh, Exodus 20, verse 7. And I argue in my dissertation that that's actually referring to this larger concept of Israel being the people who who bear the brand of Yahweh. They've been branded by his name. There's an invisible tattoo, if you will. And so they're supposed to represent God well. And and so I think it, it there's this wider biblical theme of belonging, the people who belong to Yahweh. And so the reason I got it is because I thought I already have this tattoo invisibly. I might as well make it visible. It's yeah. consistent with what God says about me. And it's something that persists. It's never going to not be true of me throughout my whole life and, and into the new creation. This is something that I would still, still want to have. So. So it's not something I think we should be flippant about is is my point. It strikes me as you're talking about that, that just just how significant and kind of deeply rooted this notion of of cutting or affecting the body is Mm. in our own Christian and even Jewish memory. I mean, circumcision is the very sign of the covenant. Yes. uh, Yes. People, I'm just curious, how do you how does that that sign of the Mm. covenant Mm. being such an important part of our own heritage? How does that factor into your thinking on this? Yeah, you know, I hadn't made that connection explicit in my brain, but I think the the cutting of circumcision may actually be part of the background for why you shouldn't cut your bodies for the dead. God has already given the the Jewish people a an approved method of signaling that they belong to him. And so any other bodily cutting competes with that. it's sending a different message and same with tattoo if if you're if you're tattooed as a slave of someone else it competes with your your identity as a slave of god as a servant of god uh and which is a permanent role so just to carry that forward as as new testament christians the circumcision of the heart as you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. we already have this invisible brand yeah. Um, maybe that serves further your point of our tattoo. If if we were to get a tattoo, first of all, we need to have a kind of a clear conscience about that. But then secondly, yeah. anything that not maybe perhaps it's not only something that doesn't that's not incongruent with our testimony, but maybe mm-hmm. even think of it as is it enhancing your testimony? Is it mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. kind of making a visible sign of that sort of invisible yeah. circumcision that we have yeah. uh, of the heart? Is that a fair and way I, to think? About it? I think so. And I think uh, another important question to ask about what a tattoo communicates is what does it communicate in my particular context? Yeah. Um, what doors is this going to open for me? What doors is it going to close? Um, if you're, you know, certain professions don't allow tattoos to be visible. Uh, others, it might be a, a distraction from what you're called to do. Some working overseas in certain cultural contexts, you know, this is not going to uh, be well received or understood. So I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. And for me, I thought about it for 10 years before I got it. And I thought about it first as well, I don't want to get this on my body if I haven't successfully defended my dissertation yet and graduated, because then it will be a permanent memory of my failure. And then I thought, well, I don't have a job yet. And I don't know how schools are going to feel about a, a Bible professor with a tattoo. And so I just thought I'd feel it out for a while. It's not something I needed. It was something I was kind of waiting to feel out. And then when I was in Canada for four years, I found lots and lots of Christians had tattoos, many of them with spiritual message behind it. It was important in their spiritual journey uh, to have this testimony. So I thought, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. But then, uh, then my plan to get one kept getting thwarted by COVID. So then I moved to Biola 
And I thought, I'll wait and see kind of what this community's responses to tattoos are. And, and I, I noticed, oh, a bunch of my other theology professors have tattoos. So, so in this context, it was not a barrier to ministry, yeah. but yeah. in some contexts it would be. And so it's something to carefully consider because you can easily get one later, but you can't easily unget one later. So you have sufficiently um, convicted me that I should have my Alabama tattoo removed. <laughs> maybe I should replace it with something much more godless. I don't have an Alabama tattoo. I'm totally joking. Uh, a couple uh, of a uh, couple rapid fire questions for you. Sure. First, so you've already kind of alluded to this. I was going to ask you anyway, but uh, you think your your tattoo is on your resurrected body? You know, I don't know if I've ever said that before. I, it sort of came to me while we were talking, but I, I did just write this book, Being God's Image, Why Creation Still Matters, and talked about embodiment yeah. and resurrection and how important resurrection is in Christian theology. And when Jesus appears in his resurrected body, he still has scars. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what the parameters are for what persists to the new creation. What doesn't, does every scar last? Therefore, does every tattoo last to the new creation? Or, or are there some you know, I, I heard someone suggest once that only the wounds of love will will persist. So Jesus' scars were 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 there was no sin involved. There was no sinful motivation. It was just pure love expressed. And so, are, are, are those the scars that will persist? I don't know, but it it wouldn't shock me if we had tattoos in the new creation, um, or if only the tattoos that were truly God honoring would persist to the new creation, and anything else would vanish. <laughs> Uh, your tattoo has it has it been a conversation starter for you? Has it even helped in things like evangelism or just just getting to know people? That is a great question. So I've only had it for two months, and I have had a few conversations. I'm in a pretty uh, Christocentric environment, so it, it hasn't really been an evangelism conversation starter. My students cheered when they found out I was getting one and were very excited to see it. Like my students seemed very excited. But then I was speaking at an adult Bible study who had just finished reading my book. So they all knew about the invisible tattoo. They all knew about bearing God's name. And I thought they would be excited to see it. And when I showed them, the room was dead silent. And I thought, uh oh, did I just. <laughs> this hmm. so so then I backed up and gave some of the rationale behind yeah, it, but they were yeah. still very, very low key about it. And so I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm not sure yeah, how that went over. I'll be curious to hear hear how, yeah. what, what happened. I think for me, um, it's it's given me a little more freedom to ask other people. Hey, tell me about your tattoo. I have one too. Like, tell me about yours. Yeah. And so it has been a conversation starter that way. So inevitably, some people dis will disagree with your conclusion. And this um, yeah. naturally, this becomes one of those things where it's not worth splitting fellowship over. What what does this conversation teach us about how we can even disagree with people charitably? Hmm. I think it might be helpful for everybody who's listening to just recognize that none of you are going to stand before God and have to answer for my tattoo. And there, there are some people who reacted when I first talked about it online in a very strong manner. And I, I, it almost as if it was a personal offense to them. Right. And, and I think like, if you disagree with me, that is totally fine. You have your own body. You can make your own choice about that. And I, I would say we need to check ourselves when someone else's free choice so deeply offends us that we feel threatened by it, that might be a red flag or a warning sign. 
So I think we can disagree with each other in, in charitable ways by saying, you know, I, I don't think I, I, I don't know. I'm not persuaded that I should get a tattoo. And I would say, yeah, nobody should get a tattoo. It's a matter of freedom for those who've thought this through and it doesn't conflict with their conscience. Yeah, that's good. How does this teach us about spiritual formation, Dr. I'm so this mm-hmm. year with all of our podcasts, we're having kind of a year long emphasis on spiritual formation. And so with, at the end of each of our podcasts, we're asking this question. So this discussion about uh, tattoos, I could see it going multiple directions, but when you think about the intersection of this conversation and spiritual formation, what do you think? I think about the book of Deuteronomy and how much emphasis it places on remembering who you are and whose you are, remembering the story of what God's done. Yeah. And I've met a lot of Christians who have a tattoo that's really meaningful to them, that reminds them of their identity in Christ, that reminds them of their mission in the world, reminds them of God's character for them, to keep them coming back to center when the world throws other messages at them. And so I think for some Christians, a tattoo could be a, a meaningful piece of their own development and spiritual formation. Uh, Again, it's totally optional. There's just no pressure at all (laughs) uh, to to get a tattoo. Yeah, that's great. I love the the emphasis on remembering. We need to, that's our next podcast, Dr. Imes. We're going to have to talk about how to remember better. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Imes, how can people follow you and your work? Well, as you mentioned, I have a YouTube channel, uh, Carmen Joy Imes PhD. You can find it Torah Tuesday. I am on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me there. I have a blog, carmenjoyimes.blogspot.com. I write pretty widely around the web, Christianity Today, University, uh, Political Theology Network blog. So just Google me. I'm there. Fantastic. It's always fun, always uh, thought-provoking. Really enjoy having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Benjamin. Nice to see you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be on the lookout for another bonus episode soon. And as always, share the episode with a friend and give us that rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.